Hey, 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 you guys. Thank y'all so much for being back on season nine of Black Canvas. We have another amazing guest, someone who I truly admire in his career and amazing things that he's been able to do. And his name is Chris Surratt. He is an author, he is a speaker, and a meditation teacher, passionate about turning sophisticated topics into accessible, meaningful, and inspiring experiences. With an extensive background in design, psychology, and tech, his simple breakdown of traditional teachings makes ancient wisdom discoverable by modern audiences. His BU Mindfulness program helps you gain transformative insights by following a simple step-by-step -step approach to reaching and reacting less and thriving more. In private, Chris enjoys nature, playing tennis, and writing music. And he currently resides in Bali, Indonesia. And if you guys would like to find him, you can go to www.cirak.com. And of course, the social media we'll talk about toward the end. But I'm so glad to have Chris here on Black Canvas. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you, such a joy. Well, I'm definitely just excited. I mean, you're doing amazing things. <laughs> and when I was reading more of your bio, and I realized about the music, I'm like, oh, good, I love that. So maybe we can have you back to kind of perform. We will love that too. <laughs> yeah, that would be wonderful. I do play um, my main instrument's piano, so I do play some uh, music on some of my tracks, uh, intros, and so whatever you hear, that that is that is actually my stuff. So, but it, it's uh, it's all you know. Nothing in life is for nothing. All of our experiences, all of our talents, all of our interests, uh, they kind of come together eventually and uh, so we just got to keep staying connected to our passions 100 percent, and i have a passion in writing myself so being able to kind of do poetry and short stories and i've been doing it now for many years and release books so i i love being able to be creative outside of counseling i get to do stuff like this and talk to amazing people like you so i'm really excited that's great that's so great all right so chris if you're ready i created some questions for you and so with each one, if you can kind of give us your first initial statement or thought about it, and then we can elaborate more if that's okay. Yeah, that's great. All right. So my first question I have is, do you mind sharing with our listeners, what is your definition of self-realization? Ah, yes. So, um, you know, it's a pretty big word and that you hear it often in the context of, uh, you know, traditional teachings of spirituality and, and religion and so forth. And, um, I really try to take a lighter approach to, um, well, everything. <laughs> and I think life is supposed to be lighter and easier and, and, and uh, more fun and flowing. And so even with that word, it, the subtitle of my book, BU, is The Journey of Self-Realization. And um, the of is, I think, key. Uh, it denotes um, that, you know, we're on this journey and we're learning more about ourselves every single day, every single moment, uh, every experience we have. So it's really an ongoing journey and not, not the journey to self-realization, which is how it's usually used. The, the two kind of denotes that you're trying to get to somewhere and that there's an outcome um, that you're trying to get to. And I, I want to try to steer away from that. I love that. And I feel like that can be difficult for people who really don't understand um, what it means to get to know self and to be 
in pretty much that that headspace where we can actually slow down and, and start to um, slow down those ruminating thoughts that we can have at times. Because I know myself um, as a counselor, we can sometimes even second guess our own approaches um, dealing with a lot of challenges that we can have um, with clients and where they are in the stages of change. But I think like you said, self-realization, it, it, I think it can have its own interpretation for each person based on their experiences too. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And, and ultimately, you know, that uh, it's so great to hear about your, your experience and, and, uh, and, and your profession and how um, th- that kind of that second guessing and the, um, the un- uncertainty sometimes that we have it, that is kind of an indication that we're a little more in our heads and, and uh, trying to make rational sense of something. And the truth that the mind comes up with is uh, it's kind of fickle. It can be one thing one moment and then jump to the next uh, thing, you know, oh no, the, this is it, or that is it, and uh, but the inner truth of, of really knowing yourself and being grounded in um, what's what's true for you, and not not so much uh, dependent on validating that truth against what others are saying. So that inner truth is just it's just rock solid. It's it, you, you know it, you uh, you trust it. There's a deeper trust, in fact, uh, that that goes beyond just rationalization and. And from that place, we're just very solid in our decisions. I think that's 100%. And I think that's when you've really done a lot of soul searching for sure to find out what that truth looks like to you. And it kind of goes into a question that I think is really important. So from your best-selling book, um, you mentioned if you can't hear your inner voice or have trouble discerning it, it's because you're in your headspace. So do you have any tips for individuals to develop more of a positive mindset to kind of eradicate those self-limiting beliefs? Yeah, in fact, uh, no, that's a great question. We're all kind of more or less conditioned to um, react to things, right? We're, we grow up in uh, our whole environment, society. It's almost designed to elicit a response from us. So, I, you know, I, I agree with disagree with I um, this is for me this is against me and 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 so we're always uh, judging uh, whatever we experience it um, our senses and uh, that reactivity is it lives in the head that's a you know that's a nervous system and um, and so to come out of that again and, and kind of go back to our natural state which is is to allow our thoughts and feelings to arise and pass because uh, they that's what they naturally do unless we we interject or unless we react to those thoughts and feelings um, and it's usually through through judgment um, then um, it, the the trick is you know quite simple it's uh, a lot of um, doing things that ground us in our body that take us take us out of our heads and put, put us back into our body it could be uh, favorite activities it's usually the little things um, it could even be, you know, cooking, uh, going for walks in nature, uh, just walking outside and, and, and barefoot, uh, standing in the grass. And then, of course, the more advanced stuff of actually having a, a meditation practice, a mindfulness practice, where um, you focus on maybe it's breath work, focusing on the breath that, that pulls our attention away from our thoughts. And our thoughts are constantly trying to hijack us. 
um, and uh, just being more the observer of those of those thoughts by by staying connected to the body. And then those thoughts don't own us any longer. That reactivity subsides because the moment we notice that uh, a thought has arisen or a feeling has arisen, that um, noticing breaks the loop of reactivity. I love that. And I, you know, I think you made a great point of like noticing um, our thoughts, our behaviors, our body. I do a lot of four, seven, eight breathing. And that has really helped me when I've experienced like an anxiety producing situation that maybe is causing me a lot of fear or frustration. I've done the four, seven, eight breathing. I've done box breathing as well. And so I also like to be with four, seven, eight. I do butterfly tap thing, which has really helped me. And I'm like, oh, wow, it's, yes. it's a great tool. And it's also allowed me to be aware of my five senses because when I do it, I also like to take myself as an adult. I feel like it can be you know, problematic for some um, especially individuals if they've had traumas in childhood to go to that state. So I always do it as an adult self going to a place where I feel the most comfortable. Uh, either it can be a vacation spot I've gone or a place I've always wanted to travel by myself. And then I just kind of sit in that moment. I make sure I have like a glass of water next to me in case, you know, my mouth is dry. And then I just kind of work through it. And I do like four to six counts of it. And then if I notice I still need more time, I give myself another maybe six to eight more. And I notice like, I really feel like I'm transported to that place, but I've also taught myself that it's okay to have the fear. I'm just not allowing the fear to engulf me. And so that gives me more of an opportunity to have more of a, a positive response to trauma versus allowing myself to be consumed by it. And then using what we call automatic negative thoughts as a way to to change my own perspective, I use what's called positive automatic neutral thoughts, um, and that helps me to be in a different state. That's fantastic. Yes, I do the four seven eight every morning myself, and and um, it, you know it's a great example of what you just shared. That there's so many things that work, uh, or there's different things that work at different times of our life, or different phases that we go through for various different situations. Um, and uh, it's really just exploring and seeking and finding what works for you. Uh, there's no right or wrong. It all works um, in some way and, and, and to some degree. And um, it's, it's really just having the seeker mentality that uh, there is a solution. Because we're in this ecosystem of like everything that is created. Well, first of all, everything that's created is a reflection of, of us. We're, we're essentially manifesting our reality through the lens of our reactivity or, or non-reactivity. And um, so what we experience is ultimately ourselves always. But, um, it, you know, there's a, from a general perspective, anything that is a problem or a challenge that, that we face, uh, well, we're in a contained system that also means there is a solution to that. Uh, so we just have to find it. I think that's a great point. And it's just, like you said, it's about seeking that outcome and being able to be aware of the importance of taking time for yourself to be open and available to your emotions. I feel that's a major struggle that I've noticed, um, not even just with clients, but just even with friends and family. It's like being emotionally ready and available and attuned to allow yourself to express it and to know that you don't have to 
be judged. You can be loved back in situations. And a lot of times the judgments that we either have experienced can definitely be in the forefront of our brain at times when we're trying to get to a different state in our lives. So I always say, I push it to the back of my brain and I leave it there. And, you know, when it starts to manifest and I'm able to um, name it, acknowledge it, you know, also redirect it and claim a different feeling or thought. And so that's, that's how I work through a lot of um, issues. I use a lot of thought stopping techniques. Yes, that's beautiful. And, you know, it's with friends and family that um, very often, uh, most of the time, probably that, um, we're really only here to, to hold space for one another, to be great listeners. It's, uh, you know, not every situation requires a fix. It's the, the fix is really giving somebody the, the, the space to express those feelings that you mentioned, um, anything they're going through, whatever it may be. And that is a release in and of itself. And, and most of the time, that's enough. That's true. 100% true, Chris. Now, this is a hard question for a lot of listeners. I've had some people ask me this question. So I wanted to actually give it to you to answer. So for people who struggle with fear, can you tell us what is one of your biggest fears that you've experienced in your life? And then how were you able to reduce that fear or be able to eradicate that fear if it was something you experienced? Wow, yeah. <clears throat> so that's a great question. Uh, I mean, at this point, I'm... <laughs> pretty fearless, I should say. Um, uh, but that comes out, you know, on the heels of uh, many, many, many years of having a, a mindfulness practice and being a teacher of that at this point. Um, and but how did I get here? And, and well, first of all, it's everyone can get there. Um, I had all kinds of fears growing up, particularly, um, I was a military brat and not having any real cultural roots or, or constantly losing friends or moving and new locations and uh, it caused a lot of anxiety it i didn't yet um you know in some ways that was also positive because i was not being indoctrinated into one way of thinking so i had a broader perspective but that only really came to be a benefit later on so how did uh, i work through those those anxieties and fears well it's really slowly um especially when you're younger and, and I wasn't really exposed to mindfulness and meditation or inner child or, um, you know, breathing techniques, all the things that we've talked about, EMDR, there's so many great things tapping. Um, so, uh, but it was, it was mainly through having people around me that were able to listen and through the listening and not injecting themselves into my experience that, that was allowed me to diffuse uh, some of that tension that I was, I was living with. And now if something comes up, um, I'm able to observe uh, my sensations. So feelings show up in our bodies, fear, anxiety, attention, whatever it may be, it has a, a corresponding sensation somewhere in our body. Um, it could be the chest, the heart, the back of the neck, uh, uh, stomach area is full of emotions. I had someone I was working with recently, um, they had stuff show up in their big toe, which is pretty funny, but that's, it, it's all valid. Every sensation is a valid sensation. So finding where that feeling is arising in, in your body and giving, uh, learning to observe it, giving it the space to be um, and not reacting to it. If it's an unpleasant sensation, as fear is, 
then our tendency, the way we've been conditioned, is to kind of push it away. There's the onset of the fear, and then we resist it. Ooh, don't want to feel that. And we kind of push it away. And that pushing away is what keeps it stuck, in fact, and, and, and amplifies it. Um, so learning to just uh, look at it, what's its size, its shape, can you look around the so sides of it, you know, um, it, does it have a color, you know, some people talk about giving it a name and, and, and really embracing and giving it a hug. So whatever it is, just, it's, it's all part of um, familiarizing yourself with the, the character of the feeling that we're having. And that allows it to have the space to, to be in and then it usually arises and passes and pretty quickly. I'm, you know, I'm surprised how even very intense feelings and emotions, uh, they, they leave us very quickly if we just let them. And I think that plays a big role, Chris, with like muscle memory as well. Like when you said like practicing, whether it's a breathing technique or the people even we surround ourselves with and the things we rehearse in our minds or that they reinforce in our experiences. I, I do want to give one tip, especially for some of our um, listeners who are interested in getting into counseling. I always say it's important to do a cost-benefit analysis of writing down the pros and cons to every decision that you're thinking. And that's just something I do, whether if it's money or financial related, or if it's something emotionally with a friendship or relationship, like if you, I would say if you can't spend at least five to 10 minutes to sit down and write down in detail specifics, then that's saying that that's something that we really need to spend 20 minutes doing. So it's just important for you to be able to acknowledge what those feelings are. If it's a fear that you're experiencing, write down the pros and cons to holding on to it or releasing it. And, and who are the people, places, or things that may, you know, cause you to have different reactions that you're not used to? And what do you do with those feelings? and how do you express it in different ways? So I love to do CBAs, that's been helpful for me. And then also if it's a fear, um, something like that requires maybe an exposure therapy situation, then I have to make sure I'm in the emotional space to even go through that, but also to just also have that connection with that counselor, that friend or whoever that person is to support me. So that way I know that they're gonna hold my hand through it. And at some point when they release my hand, I can feel confident that I'm doing the right thing for me. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. Yeah, it's, a, it's all about kind of just getting it out of our system, right? We have to let go of these, these layers of, of reactions and reactivity and, and stuck feelings is, is what I call them. Um, so uh, through touch, through writing, through uh, uh, speaking, uh, these are all forms of, and sharing, these are all forms of re release um, to, literally just to, to get stuff out of us. Yes. I love that. I mean, Chris, like I said, you're dropping a lot of nuggets of wisdom. I like to call it <laughs> that people are going to be able to hopefully <laughs> go back and listen to this and be able to write down notes. And that's why I'm glad we're talking more in depth about these answers, because I feel like this is going to be an amazing opportunity for individuals to do a lot of soul searching and being aware of their emotions and their thoughts and their behaviors. But I do want to talk about supportive people in your life. So I know that we all and our we can have either a chosen family or our actual familial family that supports us. Do you have anyone specifically that has been like a huge supporter um, in your not only personal, but your professional life? And 
can you tell me what has their um, experience with you? How has that enriched you? Oh, wow. I mean, it has to, it has to be my parents. They, they, they were so supportive. Uh, my dad's not around anymore, but my mom still is, and, and uh, she continues to be so supportive. And that's really, that's all really a child needs is support in, in you know, figuring themselves out and, uh, and making their own decisions and learning from their own decisions and just not feeling criticized or judged about who they are, about, you know, anything they've, they've done. And so I was very, very lucky and fortunate to, to have such um, uh, completely uh, unconditionally supportive parents that never pushed me into anything or demanded anything. Uh, I have a funny story of, uh, you know, they had noticed that um, this was in grade school that I was stressed out. Uh, and uh, so they sat me down and I thought, oh, what's, what's going to come? And they talked to me about my grades and they said, you know, Chris, you might be trying to, you know, too hard and you feel stressed and and uh, just just take it easy, get get C's is what they said. <laughs> just get C's. And I remember thinking to myself, whoa, well, I can do better than that. Right? But so that's, and then, and then I did. But so that's kind of the, and maybe it was reverse psychology on their part, whatever it is, um, they never put pressure on me and instead uh, and, and kind of empowered me. And, and I think that was the most nurturing thing that continues to this day. And um, and there's just a deep trust in the person that is that is developed uh, that flows from that. Um, so uh, I the nod definitely goes to, to my, my mom, my mom and dad. And uh, but it's a, a principle that I then you know apply to everyone now in my environment is um, is really giving them the space to be themselves and 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 experience this journey that that we're all on and. There is really no right or wrong. It's everything is a learning experience. There's no such thing as failure. You know, we talked about fear earlier. Um, and there's at any, you know, earlier, especially stage of life, we, we have this fear of failure because we're pursuing who we think we're supposed to be. We put so much importance on achieving outcomes. And, um, and so and often this fear of failure is so intense that we never even get off the ground. We never get, get off the couch to start doing. And really the doing is you find yourself in the doing because you have to uh, start doing things. Uh, you have to write things down, as you just said, or wh whatever it may be to, to then see if something resonates or not. Um, if we're just in our heads thinking and projecting and imagining that's not a, a real, that's not reality. <laughs> Ultimately, those are just projections. So it's uh, start doing, try, try things out, see if they resonate, and then, um, you know, really listen to your inner voice is the most important thing. Don't justify continuing down a path that doesn't really feel right, but, you know, expectation, social pressure, whatever it may be, it leads you to just keep justifying doing it. Um, you gotta listen to your inner voice, and as soon as you know that something doesn't resonate, uh, you know, uh, take clear action on that and, and gravitate towards the things that do, and, and then you're really building positive momentum. You're you're building a, a life of bliss. Yes, <laughs> I love that, Chris. Mm -hmm. And so, what I like to do with words that mean a lot to me is I create acronyms from the words specifically. So I even do it with a negative word. So let's use an example. Um, let's say I had a client that said that they were a failure. And so I would break down every part of that word to create something different. 
so that they can learn to identify, you know, even if it's fear, like how can I change the word fear and make it something that's positive for them? So maybe the F could represent fortitude, you know, having a fortitude to fight through. Um, the E can represent being um, either encouraged or energetic. Um, the A can represent maybe being accepting, not only of yourself, of others, and R can represent resiliency, uh, where you can learn how to bounce back and find a healthy way of managing life. So I try to do that um, for myself, but I even do it with clients. I'm like, okay, let's turn that around. I, I'm hearing you say, this is what you saw in yourself in the past. So we're moving hopefully to the present and then building a better future. So how do we actually turn this, this phrase or this statement or this behavior around? And that way we, we can kind of use it as almost like fuel. So that way, as we continue to move forward in our lives that we find energy through those experiences. Yeah, I love that. Um, you know, turn it around is I, Byron Katie's work is super powerful, those six questions. And it's really, it, it highlights how there's uh, we just have these concepts that floating around conditioned concepts where we don't even we're just on autopilot we just react to a situation based on what you know what we've been imprinted with and when you do things like creating those acronyms it really breaks up the there's just that automatic reaction and, and to make you stop and think and, and go well you know everything's just an interpretation ultimately the same event, if you have, you know, two people watching it, um, they'll have completely different uh, responses to it because of their, uh, their history of, of experiences. Um, so um, there is no, you know, everything's a subjective reality. And you can definitely uh, just start breaking up the, the kind of the, the stuckness of conditioned patterns by uh, doing, you know, like you say, the acronyms or asking yourself questions. Is that true? Is that really true? Who would I be if, if this wasn't true? And, and uh, it's, it's highly effective. 100%. And I also like to use Jahari's window a lot too, which can be great for team building group assignments where you actually have to identify what quadrant you see yourself in. And you'll see a lot of um, individuals are stuck in the blind area or they're stuck in the mask or the facade. And so I always say when we get to the self-discovery part, which is the unknown area, that is really where we can start to get a lot of work done in counseling, as well as just in your career. If you're a musician, an actor, actress, a writer, you know, a doctor, you know, we still have to find things that we need to continue to improve upon for ourselves, but also just being in that state of, you know, self-discovery um, really helps us to, to identify those positive things that we have that we can actually use to help others and ourselves. Yes, exactly. Beautiful. Thanks, Chris. So I have a real fun question. Now, this is one I don't ask everyone. So you're actually getting this one because I think you can handle it. So uh -huh. if you could actually choose between five people, they either can be living or they may have passed to be actually a guest on your The BU podcast, who would you choose to chat with and why would you have chosen those five people? Oh, that's fantastic. Yes. Well, I think my, my initial, where that question takes me is we really discover ourselves through the, the simple interactions, the little things, the everyday interactions. It's, 
it's not the the big ecstatic experiences of uh, that you know they have maybe a, 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 like an amplification effect, but ultimately we're we are learning who we are every single moment of the day, and those are the little ordinary experiences. And so I would almost say, you know, it, it doesn't have to be five big special people, right? Quote unquote special. Uh, everyone is special, and, and everyone uh, has something to say, has a story to share, and 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 that seeing ordinary people share uh, their stories. I know in my life has been uh, much more inspiring than than say those who have you know reached some uh, social accolades and and uh, status. Uh, they, they're kind of often they're the exceptions in some way that uh, that aren't really good examples to model oneself after. It's it's hearing from ordinary people how they've overcome extraordinary situations that I find has been the most inspiring. So I think I think those five people would be just very ordinary people, and and um, and then but giving them a platform to share their story that you then realize, oh my goodness, they're every you know what you think is an ordinary person. Every person is extraordinary. It has an extraordinary story to share. Just life is amazing, and it's uh, it's twists and turns, and uh, the decisions that you know then led to the little decisions that led to the, uh, you know, a new chapter in life or meeting somebody or discovering your passion. This is, these are, you know, that's the essence of life and, and uh, flowing, learning to flow with it rather than trying to steer and control things. Um, so those are the, the most interesting conversations I have with, are with, with, uh, with people who have lived life. I like that answer. See, uh, and it wasn't a diplomatic answer, which I really enjoyed because it was a true answer <laughs> for what you really felt. And I would agree. I mean, I love talking to everyday lay people who are experiencing situations or have gone through traumas and they've taught me a lot about myself. And I think like when someone meets me, you know, it can be very difficult to really understand my journey because I'm of a quiet, reserved person. And this is where a lot of my energy is expelled either through counseling or the podcast, but I'm definitely a homebody kind of state of myself for the most part. And I love to be able to share insightful, you know, tools or things I've learned through my own experience. And I like to create what I like to call like legacy work and things that I can leave behind, things that I can help others build within themselves. And I think that's what you're doing, Chris, like even not only just with the meditation, but the podcast, but all the things, even with your music, it's who you are at the core. And I think that people are starting to develop that love and admiration and respect for. And I think that is why people gravitate to your energy versus to you as a person. And so I think that's a great thing that you said, hey, I can actually give myself to someone else who may not have maybe the followers or the stature or the, the actual name behind them, but they are a name, they are a person, they are important. You know, they're perfectly imperfect, but they're still an amazing human being. And I want to get to know that person. Yes, that's a, that's exactly it. So um, there's just so much, um, you know, it, when we pretend, the mind likes to pretend it knows things, right? It's designed to know things. And for certain things, that's, that's good for practical and organizational matters, uh, learning skills and memory and, and these kind of things. But in terms of um, 
knowing oneself, the, the mind just uh, is always looking to compare oneself to others and outside voices. And it likes to try and predict the future and, and, uh, and make its happiness dependent on outcomes. And a lot of, a lot of the stuff the mind comes up with is conditional, right? Um, so uh, to come out of that and, and really just uh, be open to wonder um, that, uh, that even though you didn't expect it, I have uh, so many lessons in my life, learned it so many times where I, I thought, you know, I had some kind of pr pr projected uh, interpretation or, or identity of someone. And once uh, they started talking and opening up, I was like so uh, amazed by, you know, how much more there was there and, and uh, how, what, a, what a beautiful heart and soul is behind every single person. So um, it, uh, it encouraged me to, to think less, judge less, and, and just be more open to life in all situations. I like that, Chris. I mean, this could be a, a hard question for you, the next one, but I think you might have already answered it earlier. But if you could give young Chris one piece of advice, what do you think he would need to hear at this moment? Ah, uh, beautiful question. So um, I, I think maybe and the listeners might guess this. I, I wouldn't tell young Chris to, to do anything differently. Um, I am who I am today because of exactly how uh, I lived my life and how I lived my life was always a reflection of who I was at the time. And I needed to, you know, have all those experiences, you know, good and bad, quote unquote, good and bad and uh, pleasant and unpleasant. And uh, they were always a reflection of, of my mindset and, and how I viewed life. And um, so I had to experience all of all of those things, all the ups and downs of life, because uh, that was me. And I can't really you know, going back is, uh, and wanting to change things is really meddling with this, with this natural unfolding of life. And, uh, it, it doesn't really suit anyone. Um, you know, could I say, well, stay, you know, I, I maybe could have flowed more or, or, uh, taken risks more or something. These are all kind of hindsight things. And, I don't know if they're that helpful. Uh, like I said, it's everything happened exactly the way it needed to happen. And with a little time and perspective, I think everyone gets to that point where they realize, they'll you know, no, it, it really, I am who I am to, in, 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 in just because of exactly how, uh, how I've interacted with, with life and situations and people. And, and I learned from every single situation I grew, I got to know myself better. Uh, I became a better person. And, and, um, and that's, that's the design of life is, is to constantly reflect ourselves back to us. And if we feel triggered by something or challenged by something, it always points to something within us that, that needs attention, that needs some love and self-care, usually a, a wound that is unhealed or otherwise we wouldn't feel triggered. And, and it would just, you know, the situation would just pass us by. And, and so um, it's just recognizing that life is a beautiful teacher, even if it can be annoying sometimes to constantly have to be reminded of where we still have work to do or where we need to grow. Um, but life wants us to grow. And, and so there's no regrets. There's really no need to go back and, and try to change things. Everything unfolded the way it needed to, even when, when, 
you know, there's some tough, tough situations we've encountered. Uh, in fact, as a counselor, this is maybe something uh, you can relate to is those tough situations have made us experts at overcoming those situations. And those tough challenges in life, they ultimately, they become our calling. They, th those are the things we then are experts at that we can help others with. And so as we heal ourselves and, and work on ourselves, and it's more of this, uh, initially this inward energy that, that we, we focus on ourselves in the uh, you know, first part of our life, as we heal ourselves, that energy starts to then turn outward because we, we've, we've come out of the, the, the misery and the suffering and the challenges. And now we're in a position to help others and, and really to give back and be, be a support for, for someone else. So I think that's just the natural design of life is, is really discover yourself, work on yourself, and then um, it naturally turns into a position of strength being able to give back and being able to be of service. You're right about that. And it, even no matter what type of field that we're in as far as career or our professions, that we can still pay it forward in different ways. And I think one thing, Chris, that you mentioned, and I do want to kind of elaborate more on that fact as well, is that I do agree that I don't want to go backwards and change things. Um, I do sometimes want to go back to relive a positive memory, if I could, maybe one more time. Like the first time that you've heard, I love you, you said it to someone. Like that's always a great thing to relive or to just to be able to acknowledge how important it was. But I don't think I would ever want to change my past. Because I think, like I said, there's a lot of traumatic things I went through as a kid. And that really kind of changed and shifted me. But it did lead me into this work. Um, my career, of course, originally was in business and accounting, and I completely went into a whole different area of mental health a few years later. And so I've been counseling now for nine years. I love what I do, and I just remind people that it's not for us to take credit for when clients are doing well. My statement I've always said when someone tells me, oh, your clients are doing great, and I'm like, it's not about me, it's about their healing. And ultimately, if I take credit for their success, then I have to take accountability for their failures. And so I just remind myself, I'm here to give tools and to plant the seed. I go back to Brene Brown with cultivating, you know, different forms of happiness. And I loved, you know, those things that we can learn to cultivate within ourselves. And when we can actually do that, then we can stand firm in, in her braving inventory, which she talks about and things that really helped me. And so I feel like for me, I have to be in the right mindset to make changes. And then when I can do it for myself, then when I am around others who are struggling, then I can see it in them and not try to fix them, but to give them tools and they can choose, you know, what they do with the tools and how it helps to impact their lives. Really there's, we're supposed to hold space for allowing them to share and and release and uh, but if we still have our own stuff, then the things will trigger us. Uh, you know, we we get lost in our own experience uh, of uh, of unhealedness and and uh, so yeah, we get you know that famous saying that we've all heard on airplanes is put the oxygen mask on yourself first. Um, that really, you know, is a metaphor for life. And we, we do have to take our, 
take care of ourselves first and then and then we can show up as a better uh, partner sibling uh, co-worker uh, uh, yeah, friend neighbor it's it's uh, it all starts we bring ourselves to everything we do is, is what I'd like yes <laughs> I use the phrase him I'm like I take myself with me everywhere I go and I have to learn to accept <laughs> who he is in that moment or I have to learn to reject those parts that I don't like and in rejecting those parts doesn't mean that they don't exist it just means that I'm rejecting that negative self-talk I'm not allowing that to to change and shift my perspective because you know we, we that's what our brains are, are wired to go to those places but we get to rewire the system and we get to channel it in different you know avenues different activities different people that we can be around who can help to uplift us in those moments so you're right chris i mean that's yes and indeed oh that's great and something just to follow up on what you just said and for certain things that we do remember childhood traumas or situations it, it does help to go back uh there's inner child heal healing that and reparenting that's uh, very effective and um, you know, things that we actually remember, um, it, it can be helpful in the context of, uh, of healing to, to go back there, um, which is a very different uh, approach than just, you know, going back and wishing that didn't happen or this was different. That doesn't really get us anywhere, but uh, there are many modalities, healing modalities that do um, uh, have you going back, uh, regression therapy and uh, other things. Uh, that are can be very successful and effective and that do require going back but it's more to work with yourself then and and not just to to wish things were different that's right and then there's a difference between healing and growing you know like the the growth that we take in the healing process can be different and growth work and healing work can definitely parallel but they have differences you know and you just have to be in the right state to work through it and like you mentioned a little earlier um, about transference and counter-transference, we have to be very careful with that, um, especially in, in the field that I'm in. I always say I have to do a check in with myself before I enter the door and checking out to make sure I'm not taking it home with me because it can have residual effects in your day-to-day -day walking you know, or speaking with others. And then it also can shift your perspective on the people you work with if you haven't actually been able to acknowledge your own pain or work through your own issues before taking on a client or a situation that can be highly stressful. Of course, of course. And, and usually, uh, you know, therapists and counselors are, have their own therapists and counselors because it is incredibly uh, 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 fine work, the, the, the balance of, uh, you know, keeping yourself out of it, but also, you know, being there fully um and uh with you know you, people are trusting and putting their care and in, in in or themselves into your care and um it's a very commendable profession and and uh it, it takes a a, a a deep and experienced person um again that all, that has done the work on themselves to to really fill those shoes so it's it's beautiful to hear the the work that you're doing i appreciate you chris I mean, you're doing amazing work too. And speaking of work you're doing, my last two questions I have is, can you tell us um, how our listeners can find you online? And the second part of that question is, can you tell us what's new for you if someone wants to kind of join 
and learn more about um, your projects, things you're doing, can you kind of elaborate and tell them where they can find you if they can sign up for either coursework or buying your book and supporting you in your career? Yes. Okay. Well, you can find me online. My website, sirak.com, C-I-R-A-K.com. And uh, on social media, everywhere, uh, at Chris Sirak. And um, I'm really focused on uh, doing a lot of um, practical applications of mindfulness. Because even in my journey, I've, uh, you know, for many years, I was reading a lot of things and watching a lot of things, attending a lot of talks and so forth. And um, but, you know, the, the practice of it, uh, the intellectual knowing is an important first step, of course, uh, but to really integrate and implement things in, into one's life, that's when uh, things get real. So um, I've got a, my uh, event calendar for 2023 is uh, just released. Uh, there's a number of retreats that I uh, uh, run all over the, the world. Um, we've got uh, Bali and Greece and Portugal and, and, and other locations coming up. And th these are eight-day events where we're really focusing on creating a daily practice that uh, in the nurturing and supportive environment that you can then take back with you into your everyday life. Because it's all about, um, it's not about just sitting in lotus pose in the morning or doing just breath work in the evening and, and just have it be the separate activity from the rest of your life it's really about creating that uh, that essence of being and and, the, and equanimity within oneself cultivating that and then bringing that um, authentic self to all of those situations to the rest of your life and, and that what makes you a, a better person parent co-worker sibling friend and neighbor um, and that really improves other people's lives. That's how we impact other people then positively as well. So um, I'm very much focused on, um, you know, online Zoom events where we, we practice mindfulness, uh, my, my retreats where we practice mindfulness and, and really making that the, um, the, the foundation of, a, of a, a life lived well. Well, I tell you, Chris, this has been one of the most insightful and pretty much life-changing experiences talking with you. You've been able to not only help me learn more about myself, but I think our listeners are going to learn a lot through your, your, not only your wisdom and your knowledge and your ability, but it's just your spirit. I can tell even in talking to you on this podcast that you have such an amazing heart and sharing with others. And that's why people can gravitate to what you're saying and, and be able to hopefully learn and use it in your day-to-day, like you said, pretty much in your walk of life, not just at work, not just, you know, with friends and family, but in everything you do, we want to be able to see that wholeness. And so I, I really am very appreciative of your time, just for making time to talk with me today and being on the show. I would love to have you back in the future, either on this show or one of my other shows that I have. Um, I do a co-hosting with a show with Dorian Lake, which is called Embracing Your Love Month. And we do a lot of discussion about, you know, some of the things we talked about today, but more in depth of finding healthy ways of healing, talking about things that trigger us, but also being to find a way to, to smile and, and interact and have a good time because I think that's what we miss a lot. Laughter is such a huge component um, of finding that wholeness. And so for me, I, I love to laugh and have a great time on that show. 
And so if you're ever interested in coming back, I would love to hear from you again. Of course, absolutely. It's been so much of my pleasure. And yes, with all this talk of healing, we, we shouldn't forget that you know, life is, it shouldn't be that serious. Um, <laughs> and, um, and laughter is a wonderful way to, to brighten things up and, and keep things simple. So absolutely uh, looking forward to coming back. And thank you so much. I learned so many things. Again, it's, uh, uh, it, it brings back the, you know, the incredible work that everyone is doing out there and, and hearing about uh, your, your counseling profession, that, you know, the respect I have for that is just so tremendous. Um, and then uh, being able to run all these shows as, as well. And it's just been a pleasure uh, hearing and, and exchanging uh, heart with you. Thank you, Chris. I mean, this has been fun. I'm going to listen back to this later and be like, this was such a great, not only experience, but just learning more about your history. And I'm going to finish Chris's book, you guys. Yeah, so please make sure, can you plug your book, Chris, for me so that way people can be able to order it and buy it as well. Um, you guys, it came in this week and I started reading. I couldn't even put it down. I was like, I have to put it down for the interview. But it was just so great, like, so far. So do you mind letting people know about that and also your podcast? Absolutely. So, yes, uh, my book, Be You, The Journey of Self-Realization, is available pretty much everywhere, um, Amazon and um, all Barnes & Noble and all the bookstores in the world, really. Um, there's also an audiobook version of that narrated by me, myself. and um, and, uh, and then uh, ebooks and, and Kindle versions are also available. So um, in terms of podcasts, uh, you can go to, uh, well, on all the podcasting platforms, <laughs> Spotify included, uh, you can find BU, just type in my name and, and BU, and, uh, or just go to my website. Um, you'll have all the links to all the platforms there as well. So thank you so much. Thank you so much, Chris. And let's remember you guys, to embrace our uniqueness because the world is our canvas. Well, Chris, I hope you have a great rest of your day and I will talk with you soon. Likewise, likewise. All right, bye-bye. Bye-bye.